Welcome to the White Hatter Parenting in an Online World podcast. And on this podcast, we're going to be taking a more holistic approach to online safety in an enlightening and not frightening way based upon facts and not fear. We will provide parents, caregivers, and educators with real-world examples, experiences, and evidence-based research that will help to keep our kids safer emotionally, psychologically, physically, and even socially when they're navigating today's online world. Let's get after it, shall we? Well, welcome everyone. Darren with the White Hatter team, and I'm excited to be your host. And can you believe it? It's only 21 days until Christmas Eve. So on this podcast, we're going to be talking about what a lot of kids may be asking for this Christmas, a cell phone. As social media experts, advocates, and coaches who present to thousands of parents throughout Canada and the United States, one question we are usually asked is, what age do you think a child should be gifted a cell phone? This is especially true during the Christmas season when youth are hoping for a phone as a gift under the tree. We believe this question, although well-meaning in nature, really misses the point because it's not really about the age of the child. Really, it's all about their social and emotional maturity and impulse control that allows them the ability to own and operate a phone without direct parental supervision. If the answer to this question is no, then it doesn't matter if the child is 6 years old or 16, they should not be receiving a phone. This is especially true if they struggle with conflict, have poor impulse control, and can't honor boundaries. As Devorah Hetner, a, a child safety advocate and psychologist, stated, a birth, and I quote, a birthday milestone or some far off date in the future will not ensure your child's readiness for the responsibility that comes with having the entire world a swipe away. Instead, consider independence, milestones, ways for your child to demonstrate readiness. Here are some milestones to consider. Making lunch without help. Walking home from school alone. Spending a brief time home alone babysitting a younger child for short windows of time, riding public transit independently, organized with homework. If your child is demonstrating independence in many of the above milestones, then they could be ready or ready soon for that phone. If not, you can consider setting progressive milestones for your child to work towards to demonstrate readiness, end quote. Parenting tip. As pediatrician Dr. Natasha Burgert stated, and I quote, Rather than thinking of a specific age as the benchmark, reframe the decision with the developmental readiness of your child in mind. Before buying a smartphone for your child, consider attributes that are associated with more successful digital use. Milestones I consider important for smartphone readiness include having more ability for complex thoughts and improved reasoning, starting to understand tone, idiom, and sarcasm developing their own solutions, demonstrating early long-range planning, showing signs of empathy or thinking of others, developing a stronger sense of right and wrong, showing more interest in and influence by their peer group, responding appropriately to limits and boundaries, improved communications for wants and needs. If your child is beginning to show these developmental skills or there is a family situation in which digital connection is necessary, it may be time for the smartphone." End quote. Remember that in Canada and many other countries, to purchase a cell phone data plan, you need to be at least 18 years of age unless a parent or an adult signs a cell provider's terms of service, also known as a contract. Parents, by signing the terms of service for your child, you legally own the phone, not your child. Again, cell phones are not a right to have, they're a privilege to have when it comes to children, tweens, and teens. When we gift our kids a cell phone, it needs to be made clear that we legally own the phone and are just lending it to them with conditions attached. 
It is important that parents remove the sense of entitlement that many youth have specific to a gifted phone or other digital devices they may receive. We have personally seen children in grade one with smartphones, which is ridiculous in our opinion, except in exigent circumstances, such as medical necessities like helping to monitor diabetes type one using technology. Parenting note. According to the marketing agency, Influence Central, the average age of youth owning their first cell phone in Canada is 10 years of age. According to Canadian digital literacy group, MediaSmarts, 57% of youth aged 9 to 11 own a smartphone, 81% of youth aged 12 to 13 own a smartphone, and 93% of youth aged 14 to 17 own a smartphone. It has been our experience that a child's first cell phone is often not a new device, but rather a hand-me-down phone from a parent who has upgraded to a new smartphone. We also believe it is important for parents and caregivers to know that our kids aren't just using their phones as phones. Here's a breakdown of what our kids are doing with their phones. 88% are texting, 79% are instant messaging, 72% are accessing social media, 64% are emailing, 59% are video chatting, 52% are video gaming, and 42% are using their phones to send messages via messaging apps. One concern voiced by some parents about cell phones and their children, phones are having a negative effect on their child's enjoyment of the great outdoors. In a 2021 research paper called Left to Their Own Devices, a mixed method study exploring the impacts of smartphone use on children's outdoor experiences, the researchers found, and I quote, the results suggest that children are highly dependent upon having their smartphones available as an integrated part of their lives. However, smartphones also create favorable conditions for rich and valuable outdoor lives by expanding children's and parents' sense of security, children's outdoor sociality, and children's opportunities to mold their outdoor experiences. We stress that children's passions for the digital world need to be reconsidered as not all bad, but more as a condition in modern children's lives and an asset to embrace in future strategies for actively engaging children in outdoor activities." End quote. However, of note, Online child researcher Dr. Sonia Livingston, somebody who we highly, highly, highly uh, respect, provided this cautionary note about cell phones, and I quote, I think that the phone has been a fantastic unleashing of what was always an unmet need on the part of young people. But for many, it can become coercive. It can become incredibly normative. It can pressure them into feeling that there is a place where the popular people are, which they are struggling to get into or might be excluded from, where everyone is doing the same kind of thing and knows about the latest whatever it is, end quote. Now, this quote from Dr. Livingston is important to acknowledge. Some of the most current research that we have mentioned in other podcasts is suggesting that at certain developmental stages, 11 to 13 for girls and 14 to 15 for boys, developmental changes could make some children more sensitive to the less than desirable sides of social media, which can have an influence on how youth will feel and act, especially when it comes to peer status and social relationships. When you as a parent decide that your child is ready for their first phone, it is very important that you put in place clear expectations as to how the phone will be used both inside and outside of the home. This also includes understanding your child's school policy about using a phone during school hours. To help, we've created something we call the Family Collective Agreement. This should be printed and placed in a card that accompanies the gifted phone this holiday season. You will find a link in the notes to this podcast and an article that outlines all the resources that we are speaking to in this podcast, including the Family Collective Agreement. 
One of the prime directives in the collective agreement, the phone will not be used privately in a bedroom or bathroom. Setting usage goal posts early is extremely important. Our family collective agreement is a good way to start talking about digital expectations and the goal posts that come with a gifted phone. When we first learn how to ride a bike, do we buy our children the best and most expensive bike on the market? No, we don't. We purchase a cheaper bike with training wheels. Why? Because we expect that during the learning process, they're going to drop the bike and have some minor accidents along the way, resulting in the bike becoming scraped and banged up. Well, the same analogy applies to a cell phone. However, cell phone providers purposely make this a challenge by offering the newest iPhone or Android phone for free. The catch? You need to sign up for a very expensive two-year contract. This is not something we would recommend to parents to do for, ch for a child's first phone, especially for those under the age of 16. When we ask parents why they would want their grades 3, 4, or 5 child to own a smartphone, the number one reason we hear is, in an emergency, they can call me or I can immediately call them. Often giving a child a cell phone is more about a parent's convenience and being able to connect and keep tabs on their child 24-7. The narrative that youth are badgering their parents for their first cell phone is not necessarily factually correct. Youth are getting their first cell phones because parents want to keep in touch with them. However, with this tech convenience comes vulnerability that may place your child at risk if they are not ready to have a cell phone. If this is the main reason, then don't buy them a smartphone. Buy them a basic cell phone that can call, text, talk, send pictures, something we will speak to later in this podcast. Another option for consideration? Rather than a cell phone or a smartphone, how about a smartwatch like the little tracker that is specifically designed for youth and allows a parent a variety of ways to stay connected with their child but does not allow full internet access. As your child starts to show good judgment and consistent social emotional maturity with their basic cell phone, you can now upgrade them to a basic smartphone. In other words, the digital training wheels that the basic cell phone provides can now be removed. We always recommend a basic Android as the first smartphone over an iPhone because of their price. Android phones are usually much cheaper and have a greater ability to place third-party parental monitoring apps on the phone, which the iPhone does not allow. Again, something we will speak to later in this podcast. Once your child does show you good judgment, consistent social and emotional maturity, and good digital literacy, then they are ready to move into a higher-end Android phone or smartphone. Parents need to understand that much like a laptop or desktop computer, smartphones are the keys to the digital highway that allow your child to have access to the internet, both the good and the bad. Given this fact, we also believe that we should also provide our kids with digital seatbelts, or what I like to call parental monitoring or filtering software solutions. Remember, our kids have no right to privacy from us as parents. Having said this, our kids can earn their right to privacy by showing us parents good, consistent digital citizenship over time. Once our kids can do this, then I recommend that monitoring software be removed because your child has earned that right. We also recommend that parents do not use monitoring and filtering software covertly or in isolation. If a parent is going to install monitoring filtering software, let the child know. Also, explain to the child that they can earn the right to have this software removed, but you also have the right to place it back on their phone if they breach any clause in the family collective agreement. Both the Android and iPhone also have their own native parental controls that should be turned on as well. You can find links to setting up these controls in the article posted in the notes of this podcast. Parenting tip. 
Remember, hardware and software are not a replacement for good parenting. It's all about allowing age-appropriate agency with technology, which helps to build resiliency, combined with parental participation, education, and supervision, using hardware and software solutions where appropriate and reasonable to do so. We need to be our child's best parent and not their best friend when it comes to keeping our kids emotionally, psychologically, physically, and socially safer, especially at younger ages, and how they're accessing the digital world until such time as they are mature enough to go it alone. So what kind of phone is the best first phone? Many of the popular smartphones on the market today are very costly and often technologically overpowered, especially when it comes to teens' first phone. We decided to look for an entry-level, non-flip, smarter phone that we could recommend to parents who are considering gifting a phone to their child this Christmas. We get it. Sometimes a basic cell phone can have a negative stigma attached and can create a situation where the child could be targeted by their peers and made fun of. This is why we wanted any smarter phone that we would recommend to have the following specifications. Number one, we wanted a reliable phone that is under $100 Canadian before taxes. Given how these phones get treated by many first-time teen users, the likelihood of breakage or the accidental loss of a phone is a real possibility. So we wanted to find a phone that wouldn't cost an arm and a leg to purchase or replace if needed. We also recommend that you stay away from purchasing a used phone online. Just too many potential problems unless you're a techie and know how to digitally wipe the phone. If you're still considering buying a used phone online, ensure that you check what is known as the IMEI number before the purchase to ensure that it is not a stolen phone. We provide a link on how to do this in the article posted in the notes for this podcast. Number two, although we love iPhones, they are expensive and very restrictive when it comes to adding a third-party parental monitoring and filtering option. This is why we are now recommending an Android phone as a teen's first device, given that their operating system, unlike the iPhone, allows for third-party installations. Once your child shows responsible digital citizenship and stewardship of the phone itself, then consideration can be given to their next phone being a more premium Android or even an iPhone instead. Number three, we didn't want the purchase of the phone to come with an expensive two-year contract that a parent would be locked into. We looked for a phone that had no carrier commitments and no contracts. We wanted to find a reasonably priced month-to-month pay-as-you-go option given that these types of plans offer the most flexibility for parents. Number four, we wanted a phone plan that could also offer free voicemail, free caller ID, free call waiting, and free incoming text messages. Number five, we wanted to find a phone plan that was flexible and offered several specific options such as phone only, phone and text only, and lastly, phone, text, and data combined. Again, we wanted a plan that offers the ability to fit the needs of a specific child and their family. Number six, we wanted to identify an Android phone and operating system that supports the parental monitoring and filtering software that we will be recommending in this podcast. The entry-level phone that meets the above-noted specifications, minus the monitoring software, of course, that we are recommending as a young teen's first smartphone is the Sky Elite C55, which is presently being sold online or in store, if available, by 7-Eleven Canada. That's right, the store 7-Eleven. We here at the White Hatter believe that the Sky Elite C55 from 7-Eleven is a sound entry-level smartphone that is not going to cost you a fortune. Now, what about a data plan to go with the phone? There are a variety of pay-as-you-go monthly plans through Speak Out Canada. 
a cellular carrier that has partnered with 7-Eleven and uses the Rogers cellular network. We recommend starting with the 200 Canadian wide minute plan, which includes unlimited texting for just $20. As your child progresses and shows greater responsibility with the phone, you can then add on a further 100 megabyte data plan for $10 or even a premium month to month pay as you go plan. However, it's our recommendation that before you give them too much cellular data, you start with the $20 plan first, then, if needed, add on the $10 data plan second, and then consider the smartphone plans as the last step once they show good digital citizenship with their phone. We believe that incremental steps are always an ideal way to teach youth responsibility with their first phone. Remember, even without a data plan, your child will still be able to access the internet for free Wi-Fi at home, school, or any other open Wi-Fi source. Once you have purchased the phone and have decided on the appropriate month-to-month pay-as-you-go plan, you will also have to purchase a SIM card for about $10. Don't forget to port protect the phone, which is a free service provided by most cellular providers, but you need to request this to be turned on. Again, we provide a link on how to do this in the article posted in the notes to this podcast. A 200-minute plan with unlimited texting in Canada with no data and a SIM card means that the total cost for the phone without the top-up option will be approximately $110 plus all applicable taxes. This is a fantastic deal in our opinion. Again, this is an entry-level smartphone that does not have the same quality, power, responsiveness or features as a premium smartphone. We want you to think of this phone as a tech training wheels approach that a preteen or early teen will have to learn how to master and respect first before upgrading to a more expensive and more powerful phone. A challenge that we identified with the Speak Out Canada cellular carrier, however, is that it piggybacks onto the Rogers cellular network. What this means is that if there is no Rogers network in your area, then you will not have any coverage. Also, this phone and the Speak Up phone plan is not available in the Yukon, Northwest Territories, or Nunavut. Now that your child has a fully functioning smartphone, we also think you should consider the following three recommendations. Recommendation number one, Given that the Android platform allows a parent to add third-party parental monitoring and filtering software, we recommend that you now also consider downloading the Boomerang app onto their phone. Once you click on the provided link, choose Purchase Boomerang to purchase and download it onto your child's new phone. Parenting tip. Boomerang also has a free, fully-featured, kid-friendly web browser for both the Android and Apple mobile platforms that we highly recommend called the Spin Browser that helps to block bad content such as pornography, gambling, drugs, hate and racism, violence, nudity, as well as many other categories. Not only does Spin prevent private browsing, but it also enforces restricted mode to help prevent inappropriate videos and searches on YouTube. We also recommend, based upon financial ability, to further layer parental oversight by considering the installation of the Griffin router in your home and their mobile homebound app be placed onto their phones. Again, we provide a link to a post we wrote on the Griffin router and their homebound app in the article posted in the notes to this podcast. Recommendation number two, to provide those under the age of 13 with a safer online experience where they can learn how to text, message, and share pictures with other family members and even friends, we recommend that you also consider downloading a messaging app called Kinzu. We have worked with Kinzu, a Canadian-based company, and their family messaging app was built with the privacy and security at its foundation. They do not sell any personal information about its user to any third parties. And recommendation number three, the last step is to download and implement our free White Hatter family 
family collective agreement. This document clearly outlines the acceptable and unacceptable use of digital devices both inside and outside of the home. Once read and signed by all family members, this document should be posted in a public place in the home for all to see as a constant reminder. Again, a link to this agreement can be located in the article's posted notes to this podcast. Parenting note. As social media safety and digital literacy advocates, we stay current on the technology that is available to youth and their family when it comes to keeping the on-life world safer and more secure. In late 2020, we became aware of a new cell phone on the market called the Pinwheel. The Pinwheel is advertised to be the child's first phone that grows with your child. What we read about the Pinwheel intrigued us enough to connect with the company directly to see if they would send us a phone to test and evaluate. As many of our followers know, we are big believers and don't tell us something's going to work, show it it's going to work. Sometimes things that are promised by vendors in their advertising are not necessarily what happens in real life. You can find out our full review on the Pinwheel in the article that is being posted in the notes of this podcast. Also, we just wrote a review on a new premium starter phone called the Wise Phone. For those of you who are willing to pay a little more money, we believe the Wise Phone would be an excellent first phone for preteens and younger teens. You can read more about this excellent minimalist phone that we highly recommend in this article that we posted in the notes to this podcast. Now, what about taking a phone away as punishment? Here's our suggestion. In today's online world, a phone has become the third appendage to our kids, and taking away a phone for bad behavior is like the amputation of that third appendage. We're not saying that taking a phone from your child is not an option. It is. What we are saying, choose your battles carefully and don't treat every situation like a nail and hit it with a hammer. The hammer is taking the phone. If your child was using their phone in a low-level, mischievous way and you take their phone as punishment, what do you think will happen when they're really in trouble online and they need help? Do you really think they will come and tell you? Probably not, because they're likely fearful that you will overreact and take their phone. Instead, think about an escalating scale that could include first offense, verbal warning. Second offense, multiple chores around the home for the next week. Third offense, chores plus take their power cord. Now they have to watch the battery quickly drain on their phone without the ability to recharge it. This will drive them crazy. Fourth offense, chores and take the phone, remove the SIM card and replace it with a cheap flip phone which you can give to them for to use for a week. And a fifth offense, chores plus no phone. Again, in exigent circumstances, taking a phone away is likely warranted. However, if not an exigent circumstance, Think about the above noted escalating consequences to actions approach. You may also want to add this scale of consequences to actions to the family collective agreement, thus making it crystal clear what will happen if your child is not being a good digital citizen with their phone. Now, often we're asked by both teens and parents, what is the legal age for a child to own a cell phone in Canada? To be clear, there is no criminal law that applies to this question. However, contractual civil law does apply. Given that most cell phone plans require the owner to sign a contract, each province and territory in Canada has an age of contractual consent that needs to be met to sign such a document. If your child doesn't meet the minimum age for signing a cellular provider contract, you will either have to purchase the phone and sign the contract under your name or co-sign your child's contract. Just remember, if you co-sign the cell agreement and your teen misses or is late on a payment, it will show up in a negative way on your credit report. Here are the required contractual signing ages in Canada. A youth has to be 18 years 
if they live in the province of Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario, Prince Edward Island, Quebec, and Saskatchewan, and 19 years in the provinces of British Columbia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador, Northwest Territories, Nova Scotia, Nunavut, and the Yukon. Parenting tip. To throw a monkey wrench into the contractual ages I just mentioned, anyone, no matter the age, can purchase a prepaid cell phone anywhere in Canada. Why? There are no contracts assigned specific to prepaid phones. So yes, your 13-year-old, if they have the money, can purchase a prepaid phone without a parent's consent or signature. Now, what about the emotional, psychological, physical, and social contraindications to the problematic use of phones? As we stated several times in other podcasts, when it comes to technology, it is all about a balanced approach to the on-life world. Too much of anything, including the use of cell phones, is never healthy when it comes to a teen's emotional, psychological, physical, and social well-being. Now, there are some in our industry that like to push the phone's addiction narrative. In fact, there is one social media advocate in Canada that states public publicly that 84.9% of teens are addicted to their phones and that phones are the most addictive thing we can give a child more so than cocaine. In fact, this same person stated giving your child a smartphone is, and I quote, like snorting a line of cocaine, end quote. There is absolutely no evidence-based peer-reviewed research to support these juvenile, fear-based moral panic statements. None. Of interest, the same person is selling a video-based 30-day digital detox program to parents across our country. Go figure. So what does the good research have to say? One of the best reviews of the current research surrounding the emotional, psychological, physical, and social contraindications to problematic phone use, notice I said problematic phone use and not addiction, comes from a 2021 literature review article from Dr. Aviv Weinstein and Ph. candidate uh, Yuyuda Wax called, and I quote, excessive smartphone use and it is associated with health problems in adolescents and young adults, end quote. Now, in the summary of this literature review, the researchers stated the following, and I quote, The excessive use of smartphones has been associated with impaired cognitive functions and mental health problems. There are unique findings on the association between using smartphones, needs of constant stimulation, deficits in everyday cognitive functioning, and brain changes which should send alarm signals to clinicians and educators in the modern world. Now, after reading the entire article, we agree with these findings with the following three caveats. Number one, the word excessive is important. Again, too much of anything is never healthy. Uh, the paper makes it clear that it's not how much time teens are on their phones, but what are they doing with that time that really matters. Number two, the paper also makes it clear that the contraindications identified are not global in nature with all youth who use phones. And number three, the paper makes it clear that there are studies showing changes to the brain with the excessive use of technology, but we don't yet know what the negative or positive outcomes of these changes will be given the neuroplasticity of the brain. This is something that the Adolescent Brain Cognitive Development Study, also known as the ABCCD study, is hoping to identify. In a 2022 peer-reviewed longitudinal research paper just released from Stanford Medical School, the age to which kids received their first cell phone had no meaningful impact on their grades, sleep habits, or depressive symptoms. The research went on to further state, and I quote, our results suggest that it may be time to move beyond simply treating mobile phone ownership and acquisition age as unified exposure or behaviors for all children and to investigate the potential implications of what children are actually seeing and doing on their mobile phones, end quote. 
Now, to be clear, we do believe that the unmediated overuse of cell phones can lead to problematic behaviors in some youth. Yes, it can. And that's something we speak to in all of our presentations. However, can a cell phone be more addictive than cocaine? Absolutely not. Remember, there is no best age to get a cell phone, but there are ways to introduce this powerful digital tool into your child's life. Given where we are today with good evidence-based research, we believe that reasonable moderation and mediation of technology, including the use of cell phones, should be the goal of parents, something which we echo throughout all our podcasts and all our teachings. As we always say in all our parent and caregiver programs, be your child's best parent and not their best friend when it comes to their online life world. There is a difference. However, to do this, we parents and caregivers need to educate ourselves as well, and this is what this podcast is all about. Remember parents, you are not alone on this digital journey. We are here to help. Don't forget to check out our website at www.thewhitehatter.ca and our White Hatter Facebook page where there is just a ton of free content to help parents and caregivers parent in today's online world. As well, on our website, we outline all the programs we have to offer to schools, families, youth groups, and even businesses when it comes to social media safety and digital literacy. Stay strong, be that mentor and digital sheepdog, and have a great rest of December, and we look forward to the next podcast together. So from the White Hatter team, thank you for listening, and see you next time. Bye, everyone.